Hook them up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, maybe you're just waking up because it's Labor Day and you're off work today. Thanks for uh, finding us. It's Austin's only local morning sports conversation. Five hours, five days a week. Hook them up with Ian Rod B. We rose and rise and grind. We were here at 6 a.m. We'll be here till 11. Oh, yeah. Steve Sarkeesian game week news conference at noon today. They pushed it back. Huh? Pushed it back an hour. Yeah, I did hear Sark in the, the post game say his parents were in town. Oh, okay. All right. So maybe you're getting some family time. That'd so, be pretty uh, good. But, or they just practice later. Who knows? But uh, either way, Sark at noon today. We don't carry those press conferences any longer, however. But uh, we'll have full coverage of these, whatever is said tomorrow for five hours. We'll have an audio of it, too. And all the audio. Yeah. Because it's a pretty big week. Pretty big week. You know, mission accomplished in week one. You won the game. Your defense played great. There's plenty to work on on offense. That's for sure. Um, so plenty of coaching to get done this week. And, uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder if uh, the the mood of the Texas fans would be different about the quarterback and the offense if if Jonathan Brooks had caught that touchdown pass that he dropped uh, in the yep. second quarter and the, and the score was like twenty three to three or twenty to three, whatever it was at half, and not sixteen. Uh, because yes, I mean you know, the Quinn Ewers microscope is certainly there. The magnifying glass he plays under. Yeah, there's already the Malik Murphy's better conversation mm. that's going on. Look, he he was actually pretty good. Uh, the deep throws, though, are what gets take people, away, right? Take away the deep throws. Take away that drop. You said there was also another ball that hit J.T. Sanders in the helmet. Yeah. So take that one out, too. Uh, uh, so, you know, you know. And, and the first throw, on the first drive, the fourth down play was a bad throw. And he threw it low at J.T.'s feet. He did, but he was under pressure then, too. So, yeah, I mean, it, was, it, was, it was immediate pressure, but it's yeah. a throw he's got to be able to make, I think. But either way, uh, you know, he was, he was pretty efficient. He threw for 260 yards. He, the, the RPO quick game was solid. Uh, you know, the, he didn't turn the football over. So if you if you tell me this, that Quinn Ewers is going to not turn the ball over and the Texas defense is going to play like that, well, you've got a chance, right? Because that's a, that's winning football. Uh, now, there's still the footwork issues. There's still sometimes he looks a little slow, especially when he does play action and then turns to go deep. Sometimes that takes a little longer than I think it needs to. But So plenty to work on, plenty to coach up, but I think there's plenty to work with, too, for Texas coming in on this game. Now, uh, the other side of that is – how about LSU coach Brian Kelly, who on his Brian Kelly radio show this week, Rod, said, quote, we're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. Didn't age well. Probably should have. Yeah. Probably should have a little bit more humility uh, before that game. We're going to go beat the heck out of Florida State. Yeah, because nobody really knew what Florida State was bringing to the table. We knew they had been stockpiling a ton of talent. Um, but, man, they, they looked really impressive. Pulled away from LSU. They pulled away. As a matter of fact, LSU allowed 45 points. That was tied for the most allowed in a season opener by an AP top five team in the poll era. So since 1936, it is the most allowed in a season opener by an AP top five team since number five Oklahoma in 1968. Damn. Exactly. It's a lot of damn. I mean, there's a lot of points they scored. And so I'm wor- I'm, now I'm worried about that LSU defense. Usually we don't even worry about the LSU defense because, I mean, they're, they're, they're a version of DBU. They got DBs. They got NFL players in their secondary. They, I'm sure they got NFL players in their secondary, but they did not look like they, they had, you know, players who were ready to take that leap this year. They like to say the guys may take a little bit of seasoning. They may take some time uh, for them to kind of round into form. And also I'll throw out there, I don't know what the hell is going on. Why did they have Harold Perkins 
at off-ball linebacker dropping back into coverage so much. That's a dang coaching mistake. He had 28 snaps in coverage. That's a career high for him. Um, he only had seven snaps rushing the passer. It's like, uh, well, Melchup, I always said, if he's a thoroughbred, he shouldn't be moving backwards. That guy's a thoroughbred. Put him on the line of scrimmage on the edge and let him go. And I think they're, they've misplaced him, and they're utilizing him in the wrong way, too, and he's arguably the best player on the team. Hey, well, that that secondary needs help in pass coverage, though, because yeah. they, got, they got roasted That's what I'm night. saying. Like, that I, Michigan State transfer. Yeah. yeah Keon Coleman was, was great. a beast. Well, he's the kid yeah, who, uh, from the state yeah. of Louisiana. Um and went to Michigan State, played basketball, too, at Michigan State. Now he's at Florida State. Well, much like Texas played a lot of young guys, Florida State played 10 true freshmen last night. Um, they're good. I mean, Florida State, that's a statement game. They play Clemson in three weeks. Uh, week four, they play Clemson. That, this, this, this Florida State team is one to watch here. That, that number five for Florida State, too? That he's like a arguably the top pass rusher. Oh, yeah. Jared Verse? Jared Verse, yeah. yeah. Jared Verse, yeah. he's good. Yeah. He's, a, he's a transfer, too, from what? Uh, McNeese State to no. somewhere else. Jared Verse came oh, in no, from, no. like, Albany or something. Yes, he, Albany. He's a tight end at Albany. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Now he's one of the best pass rushers in football. Yeah. Now, Florida State, listen, and by the way, Mike Norvell's been using a transfer portal. Basically, his whole starting offense, essentially, uh, most of it is from the transfer portal. Uh, and that's going to be a theme of 2023, folks. Look Without what Dion did. He brought in 80-some new players, 60 of those guys via the transfer portal. Uh, you go look at G.J. Kenny pulling off the biggest upset win in the history of the Texas State program. Right? Uh, first Power Five, uh, first win over a Power Five opponent when they were a 27.5-point dog, did which you? is just mind-blowing. And he did that with adding 50-something new players via the transfer portal. All of this coming after Lincoln Riley added 20 something new players via the transfer portal last year. You want to overhaul a roster, you want to do it quickly, the transfer portal is the way to go. Did y'all see the catch that, that Texas, State, Texas State white boy receiver had? They call him Joe Dirt. It, it was, his, might be the greatest catch I've ever seen in my life. I did not see I'll it. I'll show it to you during the break. Okay. You, you, oh, my God. I don't know how it hasn't been well, on the I mean, Center yet this morning. Well, the thing you have to do if you're going to go with that route, if you're hmm. G.J. Kinney or Deion Sanders or any of these coaches, Rod, you have to identify the right players, right? That's true. You can't just take anybody. Yeah, uh, you got to identify guys that are going to fit your scheme, fit fit your, you know. And I remember talking to Coach Jake Spavital about this when he was using the portal before GJ Kenny took over for him, and he said, you know, you got to get are these guys going to fit in on your campus too. You got to be, you can't just bring in anybody, right? I mean, you got to bring in guys who who uh, are going to fit the school, fit, uh, you know, what, whatever the the scenario is. But so that's hard to get right fifty times, right? It's true. Uh, but remember, uh, what did Ian say? It's overrated, man. He literally said that about this very same discussion you're talking about. The question was, man, how do you get all these new guys in there? And immediately they're going to recognize, he's like, man, culture, all that's overrated. You need great players. You bring in great players. They'll, they'll figure it out. And that's what he did. He's that's like, he did. we'll figure it out. All y'all concerns about chemistry and culture. Well, I think man, y'all overthinking it. I'm going to bring in these damn good players, and then we're going to win because we got well, the better I guess, players. With the, and by the way, when I say better players, also includes his coach because his coaching staff is full of former NFL coaches, recruiters like Tim Brewster who recruited me and Vince Young and Chris Sims. He's got dogs on the coaching staff too now. Yeah, and that's where I, mm-hmm. with the Dion thing, mm-hmm. he was able to, to kind of pick some guys, including his son, Travis Hunter came with him, and of course, what a dazzling performance he had. Uh, I was speaking more for G.J. Kenny because I mean, G.J. Kenny doesn't just get to pick whoever he wants, right? He's, That's he's, true. He, it's a little tougher at Texas State than what Dion had at Colorado, in my mind, to identify the right guys and then bring them. And so far, so good. Well, they, he's had help too. You know who his help is? 
he's connected to the high, Texas high school coaches. That's exactly right. So even the guys who have who were from, I would love to go see the roster and how many guys who just played high school football in the state who went to other schools and maybe transferred back. Bunch of them. Exactly, because he's got the scouting report. Not that, the real one. The real one from the coaches, the guys who really know the guys, and he can get that. So I think that also helps him too. Well, so they're unique. you got to use your unique advantages. Dion's got a bunch of them. But G.J. Kenny's got one or two, and it really helped well, him and, out. And he brought several guys from Incarnate Word who had, yeah. who had already knew his system and several offensive linemen. Uh, but that's a, that's a shame, right? For, for every winner, there's a loser. And Baylor, Baylor can't lose that game. I mean, if you're a Baylor fan, you're you're sick this morning that you lost to Texas oh. State, who've never beaten a Power Five team. It's huge credit to DJ Kenny, but yeah. that's that's I mean, big that, time. I think Oof. for I mean, and Sonny Dykes. I mean, gosh, I mean that's a team that won one game last year. I know they have all new players. Sonny, you got to. I mean, the, the, you were in the national championship game last year. You had your quarterback back. I know Max Duggan's gone, but you know. That that's what yeah they lost a lot of pieces, and, but that doesn't speak well to TCU right and now. And did you hear that their fans were upset because they didn't stay for the school song or whatever oh. afterwards? Like their their version of the Eyes of Texas. He, he literally apologized uh, after the game. He's like, listen, he he kind of gave himself a pat on the back. He's like, we didn't lose a lot of games last year, so we we didn't discuss this and we didn't really have a protocol for it. So and like basically they didn't expect to lose either. He said, so we didn't really have you know the 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 protocol in place for after a loss. We were supposed to stand with the fans, that kind of thing. Um, so. A lot of players were upset, so they just left and walked out the field. Uh, Longhorn fans, we we know about this. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, we know. We, we remember Tom Herman did that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh huh. It became a big deal. So TCU, once you start losing, it's amazing how all those issues come up. If you're just winning, nobody cares about none of that stuff. But you're losing, like, hey, what about the eyes of Texas? It's like, well, you lost that game. That's why I Texas could, beat Oklahoma. Nobody, the eyes of Texas never comes up. E. It never comes up because all the players are out there singing the eyes of Texas with Sam Ellinger and that photo of him by himself singing the eyes of Texas alone after a loss never hits the Twitter sphere. Nope. And it never becomes a big deal. It's, it's, Win, that, winning covers up winning, all. Yeah, you just won. You'd have been fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, Texas State, 27 and a half point underdogs entering that upset, uh, entering their upset win over Baylor. Biggest upset in college football since anybody? Anybody? Texas. Texas, First Kansas, 2021. Oh, don't remind me. Nah. Yeah, that's the motto down at Texas State this <laughs> nah. year. Texture says it's hashtag take back Texas is the Texas State motto this year. Getting all those. I, I uh, saw a post that if you, put a, if you put $100 on Wyoming, Texas State, and Colorado in a parlay to win, you want, it, it was plus 66000 So 100 oh. to win $66,000. Yeah, who would have done that, though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what psychopath would have done that? Oh, somebody man. out there did. Yeah, did we, somebody do it? They reported that? I, I didn't see a bet slip, but I mean, oh. the amount of bets placed these days, I'm sure somebody, somebody did. I did. People, people pick Colorado to Win. That's so. That's not as yeah. crazy. Colorado was the one that people. You could, you people, could take. no people. I think. Um, what's his name? Ma- uh, McAfee picked him. Yeah, to win. Yeah, I want to say on the broadcast Man. he did. He was like, because everybody picked TCU. I want to say he switched the last minute. Was like, now nah, I'm taking Colorado, and I believe they won. If I'm not, if I'm wrong about that, Bex text line, let me know. Um, but yeah, the Wyoming one. Ah. Yeah. And Texas State? No, it's a no four way. touchdown underdog. That's a no that stings for Dave Aranda without a doubt. Uh, all right, I mentioned uh, in our in our off the record most fantasy football crazed states, Rod. Oh, I want to hear this. That was way off. Answer is Minnesota. Minnesota. Why? Lands of ten thousand lakes because it's cold. Cold, yeah. <laughs> and they all cold weather states. Wisconsin yeah. is second. Yeah, there you Cheeseheads. go. Cheeseheads. Yep. Massachusetts cold. three. Cold. New Jersey. Cold. Oh ho ho. Cold. Pennsylvania, cold. Illinois, okay. Rhode Island, Michigan, and Connecticut. There seems to be a trend here. Yes, it's still odd to me though. Very cold places. But it's not cold when you draft. But it's cold 
when Ooh. you're watching football all year. It gets start getting cold in those places in like November. It does start getting cold in those get, places. It, and it doesn't get warm yeah. again until like like. Uh, oh man, that winters spring. are long. That is that winter. That winters are like how long our summers are. Our, our summers and springs just run together and then into the fall. And that's how their winters are. <laughs> Which would you rather have, though? I don't oh, know. I've lived in cold weather places. I'd much rather have heat and have to shower multiple times a day than deal with the cold. Detroit cold and New Jersey cold. Oh, those Chicago's are Chicago's coldest. And I, I was in Chicago. I was in all those places. Yeah. God wanted me to play in the cold weather place, and that's probably shortened my career because it, it's brutal. Was How Chicago was the, the coldest? Chicago, Detroit. Detroit and Chicago were the coldest to me. That's right off the lake, though. Yeah, exactly. Places. It's that Hulk. Ooh. Right off the lake. Oh, man. And it bites. It, it bites. Uh, it, and it layers. Like, you need layers on layers. Like, you just have two layers in Chicago and Detroit. Yeah. That ain't enough. Well, yeah. you weren't a tough guy? No sleeves? No, I was not that dude. Hey, no can way. we uh, go <laughs> get, get Rod ranting again about some Texas football? Let's First game is in the books. What does Rod think? Let's hit it. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite. And start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, so we'll talk about Quinn Ewers in the passing game a little bit. Chan wants to know why is Quinn's footwork still a work in progress now at this point. Uh, yeah, I think you saw some of those old bad habits, uh, you know, show themselves for Quinn. But I, I think most of those bad habits for me were when he was trying to push the ball vertically downfield. Um, and even uh, E just brought up when you have those long developing play action passes when he's got to turn his back to the yeah. defense and then, you know, recalibrate and, and gather himself. Uh, it seems like things are working a lot smoother for Quinn, even with the footwork, Chan, like you're talking about with the RPO game, right? With the RPO game, the quick game, because even the quick game, he – He's proven that his arm count is enough where he doesn't even have to. He should. He should always set his feet, and he should always follow through with proper mechanics. But because he has so much arm talent with the quick game and the intermediate game, he doesn't really have to. On those vertical shots downfield, he's got to get his feet set. He's got to make sure that he's uh, being uh, disciplined in his arm mechanics. And at times on the deep throws, we saw that also suffer. But the, the, the deep ball being an issue, it's not all Quinn's fault. I think we all need to come to the, you know, we all need to come to the unfortunate, inconvenient reality that he's just not good at it. Now, he does have the golden arm. He's he's got the arm that that can put the ball anywhere on the football field. But can he put it there accurately? (laughs) Can he put it there with great ball placement? And I think I have enough of a sample size, just me as a football guy, saying that's one of his weaknesses. He's just not a great deep ball thrower. Now, that makes him somewhat incompatible with Sark because Sark is a big game hunter. He's all about the deep ball, right? He doesn't like small game like quail and, and uh, you know, game birds. No, he wants to go into African plains, and he wants to take out some big game and post a head on his wall. And we know this because he keeps telling us over and over again, I'm going to throw the deep ball, so y'all need to get over it. Problem is, they're really inefficient with the deep ball. They were eighth best in completion percentage in the deep ball last season, and Texas had six deep balls in this game and were 0 for, 0 for. All right, 0 for 6, and for different reasons. Sometimes it was pressure. Sometimes it was uh, Quinn not stepping in the throws. Uh, sometimes I'm going to put it on Sark, and this is why I'll put on Sark. I went back and looked at the percentage of deep balls on first down because it seemed to me in that game versus Rice, a lot of them were on first down. As a matter of fact, four of the six were on first down. Four of your six deep balls on first down. And I went back in 2022 and looked at you know the amount of deep balls on first down and found 48%. 
I'll round it up a little bit, but damn near 48% of Texas deep balls came on first down. And this is not a problem if you're connecting on at least the average amount of them. But when you're below average like Texas is, you are putting yourself more behind the chains. And when you got Bijan and Rojo, no big deal. It's Bijan and Rojo. They'll bail you out. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. But when you don't have Bijan and Rojo and you have an offensive line that doesn't pass protect really well, and you had a quarterback that's not in the rhythm, not playing confident, and then you're behind the change in predictable passing situations, that is a situation, in my opinion, where you're putting your, your players all right, in a compromising position. And I think that's what Sark has done by what I call chasing the deep ball. It's so cool. It's so cool to you know make big plays, but you shouldn't chase big plays as a play caller. And Sark chases big plays. I once had an offensive coordinator tell me, listen, every down has a purpose. Purpose of, of third down is to get the first down. Purpose of second down is to get yourself in a favorable position for third down. All right, a favorable third down. And the purpose of first down, that is your mission as an offensive coordinator. That's what that's your what you are trying to emphasize as an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's getting your, your quarterback in the rhythm. Maybe it's about the running game. Um, Sark wants to emphasize the deep ball. He wants to instill fear in his opponent. And I understand that psychology because I'm a defensive back, and there's no doubt the deep ball strikes fear in, in, every, in every defense uh, defense's heart, and it makes defenses back up a little bit and become less aggressive. The problem is when you don't convert the deep balls, you do more self-harm and damage, self-inflicted damage, than a damage to the opponent. And I think he, what happened with Sark in the game versus Rice, especially in the first half, you didn't have a consistent running game. You combine that with First down deep balls, you're behind the chains without a good running game. When well, we're talking about third down average yards to gain versus Rice, 8.9. That's how you get that number. That's how you end up with an average of third and long on your third downs in a game, which you cannot have versus Bama. So if somebody is on Sark and his habit, all right, we know that it's deeper than a, a, a proclivity and a preference with deep ball. He is obsessed with it. It is a <laughs> compulsion with him. It's like, you know, I always call it Pookie from New Jack City. It keeps calling me. It keeps calling me. He's got to have that deep ball. Give me that deep ball, baby. I need it. And if he doesn't get it, psychologically, I think it does damage him it makes him an insecure play caller it makes him believe his office is inadequate without it and I think that's just flawed logic by him but I definitely think you can see him push it I will give him credit in the rice game he did not push it only one deep ball in the second half and that's why you saw the offense hit its stride and rhythm in the second half because it wasn't interrupted by him forcing in the deep ball chasing that waterfall when he should stick to the streams and the lakes that you're used to that's the short and the intermediate game they got to it in the third quarter for sure. And uh, someone on, on Twitter posted all six of the, the passes he threw that were 25 yards or more. The first My one man came, Nash. Shout out to Nash Talk Tax. He's a good follow. Really good follow. Yeah. Uh, he, he posted these, and the first one came at 4.45 to go first quarter, and it was Texas' second, second possession. Mm-hmm. And on this one, Xavier Worthy's going down the right side. It would, it, Quinn took too long. He's got time. He waited too long. He had plenty of time on that one. That's one he just underthrew, and he, he, he should have thrown it a step quicker because X-Man was running away from the defensive back. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was one where he rolled to his right uh, and tried to force it down the right side to the, to the pylon to J.T. Sanders. That was in the red, near the red zone. Near the red zone. It, yes. was, it was about a 25-yard pass. Yeah. And that was one where pressure got, and he, he just kind of threw it up and saw if, see if J.T. Sanders could make a play. Mm-hmm. There were two guys there. Uh, and it wasn't bad. It was, the throw was accurate. The throw was there off, you know, running to his right. Uh, the the second one that, that he missed with Xavier was the one that I'm sure was most frustrating for for Quinn and Sark at, at you know film work today 
because this is the one where they ran play action off a of first down. It was a run look, and then the play action was there. And this is the one where where Quinn Ewers, I mean Xavier Worthy, is running away from the cornerback uh, on the second one. It came in this the is and, out and up. Yeah, this is yes, and this is, this in is the, out and up. late in the second quarter. It's approaching yeah. halftime. It's one. Uh, and he he I mean it, it, he was going to run into the end zone and he just underthrew it mm-hmm. uh, at that one. Uh, another one he did was on a third and eighteen, when the when the Longhorns were just trying to get a remember he tried to force it into J T Sanders over the middle it wasn't there but it was it was a long throw it was over twenty five yards in the air because it was third and eighteen, uh, and then there was one that was going to be to a Donnie Mitchell down the left side rod, and as he threw it he got hit in the face. I mean they, they came with pressure. And it led to a throw that went to the wrong shoulder mm-hmm. for a Donnie Mitchell. So you know, each one of them, as you said, some were were, were Quinn's fault, some were exactly. It's, uh, it's pressure. not one thing. Yeah, it's not one thing. And I would also say that uh, you know, for Sark, I mean, Sark's going to look at that and say, well, those plays were there. <laughs> I mean, several of those, the AD Mitchell and two of the were X-Men, they though? He said that last year. He kept saying that last year. He kept saying, well, those you know, the plays are there. Were, it's not just one guy. It's not just Quinn's fault. It's not the old line. It's a different. He said, basically, it's a different culprit every time. There's a different reason that we sure. can't connect every time. Well, Sark, what does that tell you? What does the sample size tell you? You're not good at it. Yeah. You're not good. I know you want to be. Life and football are both constant struggles, deciding between what we want to be because we all want to be something and what we need to be in order to survive. All right, and Sark wants to be an offense that can really challenge teams with the deep ball and that can threaten every level of and every dimension of the football field. I get it. I get what you want to be, but what you need to be is an offense that weaponizes the short to intermediate game and gets his quarterback in a rhythm and a groove with the quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, and the RPOs. So for Sark, this is the test. This is the test because he failed this test. E in the Washington game versus in Alamo Bowl. Go back and watch the broadcast. The broadcasters say they spoke to the Washington defensive coordinator and they backed their corners up and he said, Sark doesn't have the patience to go down the field with the quick and the short game. We'll give it to him. But sooner or later, that he keeps calling me, that Pookie within him, I need that deep ball, baby, I got to have it. Yeah. That Tyrone Biggums within him, it'll get to him. He'll, he'll, he'll throw the deep ball. And when he does, usually on first down, He'll put Texas behind the chains. And, he, and without Bijan and Rojo behind the chains, excellent. You're exactly what a defensive coordinator wants you. Says how many deep balls were play action. I counted two of the six were off play action. Yeah, also, uh, I got to go back and look at my I notes. I counted two of the six yeah. were on play action. Somebody asked that question. It's a great point. All right, one more time. Let's hear from, from Sark on the deep ball because it's the one thing people are talking about. Rod just laid it out for you. Because, right, you know, when he came out in the third quarter, they went all RPO, all quick game, as Rod <laughs> exactly. said, and they went up and down the field three times. And they had more rhythm as an offense, without a doubt. Uh, and they played with tempo. Here's, mm-hmm. uh, here's Sark afterwards on the deep ball. It's going to feel good when we do hit them, you know, and, and uh, you have to, we have to do it because we have to be able to make people defend all three layers of the field, right? The line of scrimmage, that, then that intermediate throw, and then that deep throw. We have to make them defend that. And I, obviously, I'm aware that people want to defend the deep ball against us, and I think that's why we see some of those intermediate things open um, where you see a Jordan Whittington kind of on a crossing route for an explosive play. You see um, – JT Sanders on his touchdown on the play pass, kind of in the intermediate for, for the touchdown. So, you know, the, that's what taking those shots do. It, it opens up that intermediate throw. Um, they feel better when we hit them, right, or at least get a pass interference. And um, I thought we might have got a PI on one, but we got to continue to stay creative as a staff, and then we got to continue to still in belief in Quinn and the receivers that those shots are there and we're going to make those plays. He ain't stopping. 
He's not going to stop, guys. He's already, he told us that last season. He said this, this is what he does. And I, I get it. I actually I totally, I actually agree with the philosophy. Here's my biggest issue with it, Sark. It's the timing of him. Yeah. I, I, don't, I think you, you too, you're throwing too many deep shots on first down. That's fair. And you're putting your team behind the chains. Right, listen, the, the deep shots are hard to connect on. They really are. They're tough. Um, they're low percentage throws. But I think you really do a lot of self-harm to the offense and to your quarterback when you get behind the chains like that, throwing it on first down and not connecting. What I would like is when you get ahead of the chains, when you get in second and short, when you get to a second and medium, when you get to a third and short, a third and medium, because we know he likes to go for it on fourth down anyway, depending on where you're on the field. That's when you take your deep shot, baby. And then you're ahead of the chains. It's not, it's not so damaging. It's, when you don't hit it on first down, it's brutal. It's brutal to come back without Bijan and Rojo in that backfield and go, second and ten, guys. It's like, ugh. Second and ten without Bijan and Rojo? I don't like that. With your offensive line that can't pass block? I don't like that. No, ahead, <laughs> I don't like that. And this week for sure, got to stay ahead of those chains. Yeah, man. Uh, and on down and distance. That's Coach Steven. Thank you, Chan. That's Coach Steven. Coach Sark was in the second half. Unfortunately, Coach Steven started out coaching the, the, the first half, so I don't know why that was the case. Hopefully, Sark coaches the entire Bama game. We we'll never come see back. Coach Longhorns are, are an early seven-point <laughs> underdog in their showdown at uh, Tuscaloosa. Sark will speak today at noon for his Game Week News Conference. We're coming right back. There's Rod's rant. Aaron Hogan, Rod Baber, Austin, Texas Sports, the Horn. All right, Longhorns win their opener, 37-10. The Gamblers were, uh, if you took Texas in the points, you had a Burt Auburn field goal. Texas fans were frustrated because if you had that side of it, Rod. Oh, no. Remember after after Malik Murphy completed a pass to Jonte Cook. Close so to the red zone. He got right down to about the 11-yard line. Mm-hmm. But there was a penalty on the play, and then there was another penalty, and it that backed was, everything up. And wasn't Bert, wasn't it an illegal pick, like a rub yeah, route? Yeah, they, they called it a pick yeah, route on the John T. Cook catch. Yeah, you're right. Was it a rub or a pick? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and it right, was on a, back a, to back. They ended up at first and forty, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And then they ended up kick, trying to kick a long field goal, and that's when then Rice took the ball and had their only extended drive of the, of the game. Had a touchdown and put it on the board, and that's yep. how it. Uh, how it uh, went the wrong way. And, you know, it's unfortunate because if Texas had scored there, Arch Manning was warming up, and it looked like he would get that next series. And maybe they'd rotate the quarterbacks the rest mm. of the way, the backups. And then once they missed that and didn't get the points, then, uh, you know, if no they Arch. go in and score there, then all of a sudden you're probably going to see Arch Manning. But Rice then controlled the ball. And by the time he got the ball back, it was just put Malik Murphy back in there and let's get, get out of here. It's 160 degrees on the field. We want to be done with and this. I believe that would that was kind of what their game plan was. The entire game was just hold on to the ball. With the new rules, you can do that. Yeah, As a bad team, you can just kind of play that's keep what, away. Well, that, that cut <laughs> we played from Chip Kelly, they are playing Coastal Carolina, and that's what Coastal did. Yeah, he's like, we ain't trying to score. We're just trying to make sure you don't get the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when possessions are down, and yeah. again, the rule is that the, the clock does not stop mm-hmm. now after a first down. Which you know you add that up over the course of a game, that's oh, a lot yeah. of time. It's a lot of time, man. And, you, you can just keep getting keep from getting blown out just by. Limiting possessions. Yeah, um, you know, so there's there's some fan bases that are you know frustrated this morning. Obviously, nobody more frustrated than like Baylor or TCU or um, mm. you know Texas. I mean, you know uh, Texas Tech. I mean, those you didn't lose, right? Uh, but Ohio State fans are frustrated because they only scored like twenty some points against Indiana, twenty three points. Marvin Harrison Jr. on his Heisman campaign had three catches, three catches. Yeah, not good. Not, not good. Not a good start with uh, the, with the, the 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 new starting quarterback there. Uh, so there's there's it's week one right and we'll hear it all week, Rod. Imagine waiting all year for football 
and then you lose to Wyoming week one. Oh. I know. We, we know how that feels. Oh, yeah, with Maryland. Maryland, exactly. Like, we know. Okay, we, Maryland's not nearly as bad as Wyoming. No, no, you're right. Or it's Texas not. State. This is true. Texas, or even this Colorado, I mean, this, this Colorado team, that's one of the biggest. I'm more surprised about that than Wyoming. Really? Honest. Yeah. No, uh, no, Wyoming was only a 14-point underdog against Tech. Baylor is the biggest surprise to me because I thought Dave Rand, I was like, listen, they, the, the jury's still out. We don't know because he's had a bad year. He's had the Big 12 championship year, and then that was like another year thrown in there that wasn't great either. So this was like a big year for Dave Rand to prove, no, no, no. I'm actually a good coach. It was COVID and other things that stood in the way. I didn't need Matt Rule's players. But remember, he's a guy. He, you talked about this on your Eyes on Texas podcast. He admitted that he he wasn't aggressive in the transfer portal like he needed to be. And yet the story of 2023 has been how other teams have been extremely aggressive in the transfer portal. And those have been the success stories. Yeah. He so, was more aggressive this year. but not, Maybe you know. too late, though. And not a, not as aggressive as as uh, DJ, not DJ Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> yeah, he went fifty two new players. But I would also say that uh, yeah, Dave Aranda's championship in the Big Twelve came with Matt Rule's players. Yeah, I mean all those Jalen Petrie and uh, Tyquan mm-hmm. Thornton and all those dudes. Terrell Bernard. And, yeah, uh, those, those those guys were all Matt yep. Rule recruits. In so the, yeah. and by the way, Matt Rule gets to run into uh, Colorado Deion baby Sanders Ooh, this week. It's national televised too again, isn't it? Yeah. Eat. Watching Colorado. Nebraska, I think that's big noon kickoff. Oh, you're it right. Is, yeah. so it is. Back oh, Fox to back is all over that. That's Fox crazy. is going to ride oh, they Dion. They love Dion now. Yeah. They're like, Dion, thank you. Whoever, whoever made sure that Dion got on primetime television, primetime, they got a promotion too. Like, man, we think this game will be this good. And, and game was money. And look, that'll be a sold out place at Boulder. I mean, that place will be hype. And Nebraska's, oh, yeah. that's why that loss for Nebraska on Thursday night, where they coughed it up, they had to lead in the fourth quarter to Minnesota and lost it. Oh, you're right. That hurt. That hurt. Hurt the TV networks, too. They could have been un- both undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of good football. There was some bad football over the weekend and some ugly football over the weekend. That, without a doubt, the Longhorns had a little bit of all three as well, and we've documented that. You know, the biggest issues coming out of the game, uh, you know, the interior offensive line for sure. Um, you know, the I think what, when, when you saw the second half, Rod, to go in and make some adjustments and go back to what you're talking about, the quick game with the passing game, RPO exclusively, that's good. The other, the other good for Texas were the bad interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. But you wonder as the coaches go back and watch the film if, if putting Neto Neto at guard and moving Hayden Connor to right guard, all of a sudden it looked like a better line at that point. Uh, you know, and and we also will find out at noon today why Cole Hudson didn't play and what he's dealing with. He didn't play at all. Remember on the depth chart, yeah, it said DJ Campbell or Cole yeah, Hudson, and Cole started the whole game, whole season last year. And you kind of figured when DJ struggled. That maybe you'd see Cole. Nope, you saw uh, Connor move over and Neto came in and took the left guard spot. But that's when the the run game kind of kicked up a notch and there was more push from that left side. So uh, we'll see how they operate going to Alabama. You're going to put your best five on the field there, uh, without a doubt. And you better have your best playbook. But Sark did indicate in the post game that hey, you know this is this was a vanilla game plan. We we've been working on Alabama quite a while now, Uh, and you know they have a plan, Rod. And now they had to go execute it. Uh, we saw how it was last year before Quinn Ewers got hurt in the first quarter. They they were dicing and slicing through that Alabama defense. Mm-hmm. Obviously, try to pick up where where that was too. And boy, if that defense travels, Rod, that defense, man, that defensive line, salty. It will keep you in the game, and it's deep. This is what you need, right? Because the SEC, my man Jeff Howard describes it as the line of scrimmage league, and uh, this is a, this game is going to be about the line of scrimmage. And that's something Texas, shout out to the BMDs and the Pancake Factory. They've been overhauling with the offensive line. And on the defensive line, Bo Davis has done a phenomenal job 
uh, you know, recruiting that defensive line, developing that D line. They play twelve different defensive linemen. You gonna need most of them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Versus Alabama to keep those guys fresh, uh, chasing around Jalen Milrow. So yeah, that's what this game is about, man. Lines of scrimmage and Texas. They've been building it, and you know, Sark says he's built this team to compete in the college football playoff. Just so happens most of those teams that compete in the college football playoff are SEC teams. So ipso facto, this team is supposed to be a team that is built and constructed to compete in the SEC. We shall see. On the lines of scrimmage. On the lines of scrimmage. Offense, defense certainly looked like it's ready for it, Uh, at least this game. Uh, on Saturday, the offensive line, not as much, but we'll see what improvement they can make week one to week two. Let's hear Sark talk about the running backs, because I did think C.J. Baxter flashed and uh, took off on that long run. Fortunately, he's going to be okay. He was practicing yesterday. It's a rib issue. fell on the ball. Uh, People thought immediately, including me, that it might have been a shoulder separation or a collarbone or something because he fell hard on that shoulder uh, out of bounds. It was a a rib, and he was was practicing yesterday, according to reports. But here's Sark on what he saw from his running backs, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue. Here's Sark. All those guys did well. All four guys that, that, that went in there, I mean, Jonathan, nice play on the screen for the touchdown on the reception, um, you know, ran the ball really effectively. Um, I, you know, obviously, Jaden Blue, I thought, showed a lot of toughness today, which sometimes is hard to tell in practice when you're not tackling every day. Showed a lot of toughness, and I thought Keelan kind of in, in his role, what he did was effective today. So hopefully we can, we can get C.J. back healthy and ready to go for next week and, and have all four of those guys able to roll. They, they're very versatile players uh, that provide a lot to us offensively that, w- that we can utilize. How do you think they uh, mm-hmm. weaponize the running backs? We've got all week to talk about it, Rob, but what's your, what's your Monday gut check thought about how the, the running back rotation works? More like this one or more C.J. Baxter? I, I think, you, first of all, yeah, they're going to play. I think they like C.J. Baxter. You talked about it. They need to have you know someone that can run physically in between the tackles. I'm interested to see what roles Sark has for all these running backs. There will be a committee of running backs. Keelan Robinson is going to be thrown in there a little bit. They're going to throw uh, C.J. Baxter, of course, Jonathan Brooks to start out with. But I think Jaden Blue earned him some reps. Now, did he earn those reps versus Bama? I don't know. But what he did in the game I thought was really impressive, probably more impressive than all the other running backs because maybe we didn't have expectations for Jaden Blue. And I thought he was fantastic. So he gives you four quality backs right there depending on the situation and circumstance. And I thought it was interesting that we actually did see 21 personnel, which is two backs, one tight end. And I was shocked. And how about this? I'll give you a little stat, a little factoid for you, right? Do you know the most explosive, you're looking at explosive play rate, which is 15-plus yard passes and 10-plus yard runs. If you're looking at explosive play rate, do you know the most explosive personnel package for Texas last season? It was 21 personnel, which makes sense. You're like, well, Bijan and Rojo in that damn package with X-Man out there and JT Sanders out there. Jay Wist, your best players are out there. You basically consolidated all your best players into one personnel grouping. That's why it was so damn good. Well, how about this? The two biggest plays on offense in that game versus Rice, out of 21 personnel, actually. Yeah. 44-yard touchdown for JT Sanders, that was out of 21 personnel. Your 37-yard receiving touchdown for Jonathan Brooks, that was out of 21 personnel. Now, they didn't do it a lot, but I'm glad the Cirque has not abandoned the two tailback sets that he weaponized with Bijan and Rojo with these young backs. That's the kind of stuff that uh, maybe you see more of. And that that, 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 that play point. to Jonathan yeah. Brooks with the screen oh. pass throwback was a really nice design. And it's a very similar play to what they ran in the Alamo Bowl against Washington last year, and it, it resulted in the same thing, a long touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming since we saw it this week and we saw it last game and against Washington at the end of the year, 
we'll see something like it in this game against Alabama probably early. Love it. And I, and I wonder what the deception is off of it, right? I mean, you run that play, Blair Alabama, think, okay, here's that play to Jonathan Brooks. we got to keep that covered. You know they're going to work on it. And there's going to be something else, you know, somebody up the seam or, or, or you know, hitch and go or something totally agree. Uh, down the other side that I think you'll see. But uh, that's how you set people up. Sark, uh, you know, said we, we've, got, we've got something for Alabama, and they better because Bama won 56-7, and they're a seven-point favorite in this ballgame. We'll come back. We'll play some Who Said That? Who Said That? Who Said That? Uh, including I got some sound from somebody who, uh, well, you, you say rappers don't age. I got I got oh. something from an aging rapper I want to hear to oh, let, no. let you hear. <laughs> also, some other sound from the weekend on a good, bad, and ugly Monday here on Ian Rodby. It appears as if we've wrapped up this crash. Uh, this is going to be on Northland 2222 near the southbound frontage of Mopac. It was up there for a bit, but it's dropped off, so we don't see any more problems through there. This is going to be off to the east of the airport, however, over on FM 973 at Eva Street. We do have a crash reported there. Again, lots of activity at Bergstrom Airport here on this uh, Labor Day. Folks coming in and flying out. I'm Don Miller. That's traffic. Hey, what's up, folks? Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers here. It is winning season over at MyBookie. Winning season has officially returned, and now that the new football season has officially kicked off, there are plenty of opportunities to win big over at MyBookie. As a better, you demand perfection, and MyBookie delivers NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system that gives you options to bet and win all season long. First two legs of your parlay hit, cash out early and use the funds on another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join the MyBookie family for an entire season filled with odds boosts, free bets, and super contests. To get started, just go to MyBookie right now, mybookie.ag, and register for an account absolutely free. We're talking about free 99, the best price you can get. And when you're ready to take uh, to make your first deposit, just use the promo code HORN. That's H-O-R-N. Use the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, to grab a welcome bonus. That's right. They're hooking you up over at my bookie. So use the promo code HORN to claim your deposit bonus and for a limited time, a free chip to use in the My Bookie Casino. And at the end of the show, you want to make sure you're tuning in for my man Ty, who's going to give you uh, all of his picks. And uh, go over to My Bookie and make those picks and make yourself some straight cash, homie. You can bet anything, bet anytime, and bet anywhere. As long as you're betting with My Bookie, you're betting with the best. Here's something you won't hear from any other jeweler. Right now, when you buy a diamond at Diamonds Direct, we'll give you a free gold setting for it. Yes, a 14-karat classic solitaire setting in white gold or yellow gold at no charge with any natural diamond purchase. So all your money can go toward a bigger diamond while you still get the classic look she wants in that engagement ring. Another example of Diamonds Direct's extraordinary value. Or if you want to take it up to the next level, Diamonds Direct also has a fantastic selection of Halo, Pave, Vintage, Three Stone, and other popular mountings. Or maybe she wants a designer ring, like the one she's seen on social media. Well, Diamonds Direct has those too. In fact, we are an authorized retailer for all the top designers from New York and California. Whichever setting you choose, you'll also be able to choose your finance plan. Diamonds Direct now has a wide range of finance options with attractive rates and terms up to 60 months so you can get the ideal setting to fit your style with the ideal payment to fit your budget. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Store hours, directions and more at DiamondsDirect.com Seeking specialized patient-focused orthopedic care? Contact the experts at Texas Orthopedics. Our physicians offer comprehensive surgical and 
and non-surgical orthopedic care for children and adults. Spine care, sports medicine, trauma care, joint replacement, rheumatology, and more. Whether it's a mobility or movement issue or a traumatic injury, our goal is to get you back to good health and quality of life. Visit us at TXOrtho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. The Horns Text Line is brought to you by Specs, a Texas-sized selection of wines, spirits, finer foods, and specialty beers. Cheers to savings. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L-I-V-I-N. E and Rod B. On the Horn. Ooh, Evan's saying that. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said it? E and Rod B. Play pieces of audio and try to guess who said it. Typically, uh, some can be mysterious. Some are pretty obvious, but still fun, Rod B. What do you have for me? Uh, all right. Now, well, you know what? I don't even know which one Ty's going to play. You can play either one, Ty. They're both head coaches. Okay. All right. So, uh, one's, uh, you know, they're both head coaches. We'll start with that, and then we'll see if you can gather some context clues from the audio. Here Give it, it to me. Welcome back. Who drove over here? Quick, let me see your hands. Who took the bus? Did you have fire in your gut? Did you? We're here for a reason. Don't get that twisted, okay? We're here for a reason to win games. So if you didn't have that fire in your gut, you better light the fire pretty fast. Be who you are. Just understand, I'm looking for killers. All right, E, uh, who was that very um, anticlimactic, uninspiring Is that Nathaniel Hackett? No, it was not. It was Jonathan Gannon, the oh, Arizona, Arizona Cardinals, Cardinals head coach. I know I had heard that, and I Man, couldn't remember who it was. Their tankathon is going better than ever, baby. That's the motivation right there. That was the motivational speech. I want they, killers. They, <laughs> I that want thud killers. Is going, uh, it is, it's going uh, just according to plan. It is. It might be the greatest tankathon in NFL history. Got rid of Cole McCoy because he was too competent. Traded away Isaiah Simmons. And now that is your inspirational, motivational leader. The best part about that video is Marquise Brown's face when they, <laughs> they pan to him and he's loose. Like, Killer. The most, like, what is this guy saying? Now, that's one of those, they, why do you ask him if they drove in? Why did he start like ride the bus here? Because <laughs> well, you know, he was like mumbling. Too. He was like, what? Why? I thought it was going to be a, a connection. He just randomly asked him, how you get here? Rode well, the bus? And by the way, that was from like uh, the in-house <laughs> hard knocks that they all produce now. Like their own their own uh, you know group. Yeah. The Arizona Cardinals put that together. They should have left that one there's, in. There's also a cool, in that can. same, same uh, little 15-minute you know, video they put out. Good little part on Jeff Rogers, the special teams coordinator, who's still there, right? He was there with Cliff. He's been there a while. That's uh, our buddy Randy Rogers. That's his son. Oh, you're and right. Johnny Rogers, yeah. He's been there through. You're right. I don't want to say. They he, show him riding his bike to work. He has been there through multiple. That's a good sign when an organization keeps you through multiple coaches. Yeah. It is. That means, like, the, the higher-ups, the bosses, like, the owners like you. Yeah. He's Those a stabilizer, right? He's yes. special teams. Yeah. Uh, he pretty much helped Cliff Kingsbury get organized. Like he's I mean, the associate head coach too. Yes. Sure, yeah. Well, and Cliff, mm-hmm. Cliff came from college where he failed up <laughs> to the Arizona Cardinals. And I agree with you. The tankathon is on Ooh. for the Arizona Cardinals. How about this? To touch a point in my fantasy league, Rod, my big money fantasy league. I we drafted on Friday. Mm-hmm. I got the Jets as my defense. 
Oh, that's a great defense. But I'm going to sit them this week because I'm starting the Washington Commanders against Arizona. Because I also have a strategy <laughs> oh, to start yeah, anybody I can against Joshua Dobbs. That's brilliant. Right? It's a I great might just strategy. ride the Arizona Cardinals way. It's a great that's strategy. Right. I, dra- I drafted the Commanders defense because that's who they're playing for. That's right. Uh, really? I got, I got, I'm going to have to carry two defenses for this week alone because huh. I won't keep the Commanders most likely. But we'll see. Defenses are hard to pick. You've got to do defensive kickers every week. Yeah. Unless you have... Justin like Tucker. you change it up, basically. You find yeah, a new I'll one, pick depending who, on the matchup. Usually, I'll probably pick whoever's playing the, the Cardinals or the Texans. Well, sometimes like you can't get that person Amen. because he's already Amen. taken. That's true. But, That's true. Uh, let's uh, let's hear from uh, my who said that. Who said this, Rod Vavers? Let's give me a little sound here. College football. Yeah. Can I play the other one first? No. Okay. One second. Who said that? Who said that? Who <laughs> said it? Who said it? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, two more about your immediate family. (laughs) (laughs) So there are going to be some crowd rules of like, hey, only Alabama stuff if you're coming to the game. Oh, no, yeah. (laughs) Did you have a Vince Young jersey growing up? I did. did. (laughs) All right, last one. There you go. Who's that, Rod? Um, I think I know. I haven't heard the audio, but I want to say I saw the video just putting it together on in the Twitter sphere. Jalen Milrow. Yes. Yes. The, the did joke, you have a Vince Young jersey? Yes, I did. Yeah. So he's like, he got family members that are Longhorn fans because he's from Texas. So that's that makes sense. He's from Katy down there. Uh, and he grew up. If you're from Texas, especially H-Town or close to H-Town, Katy, yeah, you definitely was a VY fan. I mean, it goes without sense. Playing the quarterback position. So that makes sense, too. So. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. he's excited. He's he's from he, he was a one-time Texas commitment. Yes, he was. Jalen Milrow. Great point. Uh, Texas had a lot of former quarterback commitments that were uh, former players or quarterback commitments that were in action this past weekend. It's he touched the card. I saw it through a touchdown pass. He did. They lost, her. though. They lost. Did they lose? Damn it. Tough. All right. Yeah, Katie Tompkins High School is where Jamil Rowe went, and he'll be the Longhorn uh, nemesis this weekend. And is it fair to say, Rod, as we get ready for this game, we got all week, that whichever quarterback plays the best, the team will probably win. That, that, I mean, that's pretty much the case in, all, in most games. But when it's even, which quarterback plays a better game is, can, to me, going to determine who wins this football game. Yeah, I totally agree. And you can go even further than that. And we'll do because we'll start diving into Bama tomorrow after, you know, obviously we're just reviewing Texas Rice today. Um, but you go look at the teams that have been able to upset Alabama. At Alabama, right? And not many. Uh, over the, exactly. That's why it's easy to do the, to do the research. It ain't many of them. And go and what do they all have in common? Usually, one of the common denominators is elite quarterback play, extraordinary, transcendent quarterback play. Cam Newton, Johnny Mandel, right? You go any time Bama goes down outside of the uh, conference play, which which could happen, obviously in non-com, but we've seen it happen in bowl like bowl games and college bowl playoff that kind of stuff too. Is usually transcendent play by the quarterbacks. It's just. That's how you beat Bama. Because Nick Saban, no matter how detailed-oriented his game plan is and no matter how prepared his players are, we know that position, all right, especially a dual-threat guy at that position. That's not Quinn. But we know that position is the ultimate equalizer. And there's only so much game planning you can do. And if that guy's on, it's like Steph Curry being on. Yeah. Or it's like LeBron being on. It's like they're on, they're on. Like ain't nothing you can do about it. Ain't no, no game planning in the world was going to work if that guy is on. And you're just hoping that quarterback at, at, on that occasion is, is having his best game of the season. And that's Quinn. Texas is going to win. 
Texas has a good chance at least to be in that game and maybe yeah. find a way to win it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I got one more for you. Give it to me, Rod. I got, got one for you, too. You got one more, uh, Ty, ready for this? Another head coach. We'll just you contest clues, figure out who it is. We don't have – there's no off off day this week. Monday's usually our off day. We'll practice on Monday because of our Friday games. So uh, – but, you know, how I feel about Friday night games. That's not a decision that we make. That comes straight from the Big Ten. So anybody wants to complain about that, don't talk to me. Okay? And so uh, that's Friday night football. It's for high school football. Bottom line, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face until I'm – somebody tells me to shut up. So – and I'll probably say it again. Thank you. There you go. Okay, so that's somebody playing Friday night in the Big Ten. I don't know who that is. Tom Allen. Tom Allen, coach at Indiana. Yes, he's about this. They play Indiana State on Friday, and as you can hear, he, he is like not it. happy. He don't like that. He wants high school football for the. And you know what? That's always a shout out to the coaches who you gotta help you recruit, and you gotta reach out to them. They want also to have monopoly on Friday night all across the country. By the way, well, this is look, not just I mean, a Texas thing. There are Indiana football fans, and if you you have to choose to whether you want to go to your to see your, your alma mater play or you're going to go to your high school game. Or your kid's game. You shouldn't make people make that decision, yeah, right? Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Do I go to my kid's game or do I go see the Hoosiers play? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's always been a tried and true. We're not messing with that day. Yep. Uh, I like that, too. I, I, I'm old school in that way, too. Like, don't mess with Friday. Leave it to high school football. Agreed. They need their day. Agreed. Who said this, Rod? Who said it? Now, you'll know this one, but uh, I thought it was entertaining to play on the radio. You and Willie Nelson – Went to Amsterdam together. Yes. It was a... Uh... How did the world not explode? I don't understand. <laughs> it, was, it was secretive the way it happened. He had a concert out there on 420, and I had a concert out there on 419, which is the annual holiday for what we do. <laughs> and uh, we just happened to meet up Just out happened there. to meet... Yeah, and then once we met up, we was in the, and I was in his hotel room. We was playing dominoes and enjoying life. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. And, <laughs> enjoying life. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So after enjoying life, we... we... <laughs> <laughs> what did you do after you enjoyed life? We developed a hunger. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, so, you got a little hungry, yeah. Yeah, so naturally, we wanted to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken, which is one of our favorite <laughs> spots. Here's Aunt mine. So we pull up in the drive-thru, you know. You we and sit, Willie Nelson pull up in the drive-thru. We're in the, we're in the drive-thru. <laughs> That's the thing I've ever heard in my lifetime. So we pull up and we order in the chicken. They give it to us. And when they give it to us, they hand us the big bucket. We take the top off and we both put our hand in at the same time. And we grab the same piece of chicken at the same <laughs> time. And I said, you know what, Willie? That's yours. Go ahead, take that, dog. <laughs> yeah, see? There you go. So Willie gets the big piece of chicken. Willie gets the chicken. There you go. That's respect. That's respect right there, man. How can I get a camera on that? That should have been a reality TV show. Those two at Kentucky Fried Chicken in the drive-thru playing dominoes? Oh, and well, and getting on it. Getting on the good In game. Amsterdam. Getting, oh, man. They probably had. I, I can't even imagine how potent that marijuana <laughs> was that Willie and Snoop were smoking in Amsterdam. Can you imagine? Oh, man. That'd probably knock most of y'all out. Y'all probably couldn't huh. even hang. Talk and hang. Kind of fun. Sounds I could, like I could hang. I would not. I'd be <laughs> under the table. I will tell you that uh, who planned good promoters, Snoop on 419, Willie on 420. Great. Good job. Good job Great right job there. there. That's, Great that's job. Smart. I mean, if you could have, if there, if there could be like, you know, for the mascots for holidays, like Santa Claus for Christmas and the Easter Bunny for Easter, then the mascots for 420 have there to be are. Willie Nelson and Snoop and maybe, I don't well, know. Well, it is 420 because that's Bob Marley's birthday. And Bob Marley on there, too, I guess so. Well, that's you know true. that the yeah. Willie Nelson Fair. statue that uh, is outside of the Moody Center downtown, the uh, ACL Live at the Moody Theater, I should say, uh, was 
dedicated when they when they revealed that statue and took it took the sheet down. So cool. It was on 420 at 420. Oh no, it was not. Yes, it was. You oh, could look that up. That's why I love Austin. Did everybody <laughs> light up at the same Austin. time? Yeah. Well, yeah, they, yeah. Oh, somebody did. Yeah. You know, was, somebody was, was there. April just lit the up right there, like uh, four twenty. Here we go. <laughs> it was on April the twentieth, and they they officially did it at four twenty. That's why I love Austin, man. I'm glad <laughs> that they actually sanctioned that. It was agreed upon. It's like yeah, yeah, on four twenty. Of course, yes. It makes perfect sense. Somebody like somebody wrote a memo to their boss. It was like, hey, can we uh, reveal Willie's statue on four twenty at four twenty p.m.? Sure and they were like. Hell yes. Great idea. You deserve a promotion, sir. <laughs> or, the, or the bureaucrat was like, what do you mean? Sure. Like, that's when you want to do it. That's when like, you They do probably it. don't know what it is. Right? That's so true. Like, you write some nerd. Some nerds like pencil pushers like, yeah, why? Yeah. Uh, that's just when we want to do it. Okay. <laughs> that works. Now, they, me, where they, do I sign that? They were very specific about the time. I don't know why. I said, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded good to me. <laughs> That is true. You're probably right. You're probably right. It's probably nerds that didn't know. Either way, I liked it. I hey, thought that's the great. The fabulous fifth hour is coming. That gives us one more hour to talk Texas football, <laughs> and the conversations continue. Recapping the weekend, the good, the bad, and the ugly. E, Rod B, Ty, you, Monday on the Horn.